So good morning church family. If you don't know me, my name is Dale and I'm one of the elders here at New Life Community Church. Um, if you're a visitor this morning, you are so welcome. It's so great to have you with us. Uh, we are really blessed. I hope you're having a great morning. We are going to continue to look this week at the big question, where do we go from here? And that's a question that we started to answer at One Church Sunday uh, when Paul Williams began to set out a vision for the year or the road ahead as One Church family. A year of believing God for growth, both in terms of maturity and growth in numeracy. So a depth of relationship with God and a growth in terms of people being added to the church family. That's what we're looking to. Paul also called us to a year of devotion to God and to one another, rooted in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. So if you have your Bibles, let's just read that in full because it's going to give us some context for where we're going to go this morning. So Acts 2, 42 to 47 says this. And they, that is the followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, Paul also served us really well by unpacking the first few verses of that chapter last week. And he reminded us that as a church, we are being called to be fully immersed or all in, in three key areas of God's kingdom culture. So I'm going to remind you of what he said, and then we're going to look at what I have to bring this morning. So firstly, Paul talked about a culture of caring, where the Holy Spirit moves people to extraordinary measures of love and care with their eyes wide open to the biblical reality That as believers in Christ, nothing that we own is really our own. We're only stewards of the things that God has given us to care for, that God has entrusted to us. And so we're able to freely give out of what God has freely given to us. Secondly, Paul talked about a culture of gathering, where we have a Holy Spirit-inspired passion to gather together, written on our hearts so that as a church family we'd be devoted to gathering together in the temple that's our sunday services and in each other's homes in things like our life groups and in prayer meetings and thirdly he talked about a culture of authentic joy a joy that comes from the holy spirit who embeds in our hearts the truth of the rescue new hope and the future we've received the family that we've inherited, and the love for God and one another that we've discovered. 
And this is that kind of authentic joy that rejoices even in the midst of suffering because it surpasses everything else. That's what Paul was talking about. Those are three areas that Paul Williams said, this is what God has for us in the year ahead. But today we're going to focus on the final verse of Acts chapter 2, which is verse 47, where the church is praising God, having favour with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This morning I want us to look at that verse and I want us to, be, to think about being fully immersed in three more areas of God's kingdom culture. Because as we respond as elders to what God has been depositing on our hearts for the season ahead, we believe that God is calling this church to be a people of praise, a family that finds favour, and a gathering that God grows. And I like alliteration, so hopefully that works for you too. Okay, let's look at the first one. God is calling us to be a people of praise. And when I talk about praise, most of us will probably think about worship, like the worship we've just had, the wonderful time of worship we've just had. What happens here on a Sunday morning when we gather to sing songs of praise and worship to God? And you wouldn't be wrong. We're definitely praising God through our sung worship as a church family, and we are good at that. As NLCC Verwood, you guys have a beautiful heart of worship. And it means that you're ready to go every time with everything you've got to worship King Jesus. It's a joy to witness it. It's a joy to be a part of it. And I want to commend you in it and say, well done. Keep doing that. That blesses God's heart and it does us good as well. But within that, I believe God would remind us all that praise is so much more than just what we do here on a Sunday morning. Praise is so much bigger than just our sung worship time together. Because praising God is about expressing our heart to God. It's about giving him the glory and the respect and the honour that he deserves. It's about declaring our thankfulness and our gratitude for everything that he's done. And that we do that in our songs, in our prayers, but we can also do it by embracing and pursuing and creating a culture of worship in every area of our lives. Praise is not just for Sunday. Praise is for every moment of every day of our lives. Why? Because we have a reason or as Matt Redman puts it, 10,000 reasons to praise God. Through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has saved us from a place without him in hell and instead prepared a place for us in heaven with him. He's rescued us from slavery to sin and by his blood he's bought us freedom in Christ. He snatched our souls from the jaws of death and breathed his spirit into us, giving us new life. And he's taken us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to his kingdom of glorious light. And for this reason, and 10,000 others besides, our hearts ought to burst with praise to God all day long. Amen? Amen. 
But if you're like me, and I guess you probably are a bit, then you'll often find that that's not the case. Not because we're not grateful and not because we don't want to glorify God, but because our days get taken up with the things we need to do, our jobs, our parental responsibilities. And our evenings are preoccupied with the things that we want to do, the ways we relax and unwind and recharge. And those things are not wrong in and of themselves. But God is particularly calling us to be a people of praise. That is to be marked out, separated out as a people who praise him at all times. And part of that is going to involve a fresh outpouring of his spirit over us. His spirit is going to fan into flame those red hot glowing embers of our praise filled hearts. So that it will radiate out from us and be visible to everyone around us at all times. God is going to do that for us. And I'm going to pray that over us when we come to respond. But part of it is going to involve us continually feeding that fire. By meditating and considering who God is and what he's done. And that means listening to and reading God's word ruminating on it in the background, pondering it in those quiet moments of our day and chewing it over all day long in our minds. I had a slightly weird picture in my mind when I thought of that. Do you know how a cow is in the field and it's just constantly chewing over grass? Constantly its jaw is going, masticating, chewing that through. We need to do that on the word of God so that we're constantly receiving the goodness and the flavour and the nourishment of it. So that it provokes us to moments of praise, causes us to confess God's goodness to those around us and guides us to glorify God in everything we do. I don't know about you, but when I consider God's word and his works, I am provoked to praise. When I take time in my day to consider what he has done. His praise bubbles up in me and I just want to thank him. I want to say, King Jesus, you are mighty and majestic and wonderful and you have saved me and I'm so grateful. But do I take those moments to be intentional in my day? Or do I allow myself to be busy with everything else I've got going on? Psalm 34 says this, and I would encourage us to aspire to this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This is the kind of everyday praise that God is calling us to in the season ahead. But he's also calling us to be a family that finds favour. And in our verse in Acts 2, we read that the church had favour with all the people. Now, sometimes we read that and I think we miss an incredible turnaround that's happened. Because at the end of the Gospels, the crowds or the people were not favourable. They were baying for Jesus' blood. In their fickleness, they've been stirred up by the religious leaders who were afraid of losing power And the people demanded that Jesus be crucified. 
and that a convicted criminal be released instead of him. Peter, Jesus' own disciple, was so afraid of being associated with Jesus that he denied even knowing him in the temple courts. Why? Because he feared being caught up in that mob justice that was about to execute his master. The people were not in favour of Jesus and his followers. In fact, it's fair to say that at this point, Jesus and his followers had no favour with anyone at all. What's amazing then is that when we get to our verse in Acts, in a pretty short space of time, the ragtag group of Jesus' followers has grown hugely. And now despite the fact that they're proclaiming the seemingly ridiculous notion that Jesus has been raised from the dead and that he's both king and God, which And get this, puts them in conflict with both the religious leaders again and with the Romans. Despite all of that, miraculously, incredibly, they had favour with all the people. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, first and foremost, it's a sovereign work of God's grace. Making a way where there was no way. Making the impossible not only possible, but the reality. But alongside that, the church had a part to play too, even in Acts. They were an example and a blessing to the community that they were in. People could see how they cared for one another and how that care naturally spilled out into those around them. They could see the joy and the gladness in their hearts and the fact that wherever God's people were, God's blessing and signs and wonders were close at hand. Brothers and sisters, we, we live in a world that is growing increasingly more hostile to our message and our mission. That's the truth. And sometimes it's hard to see how we can find favour in the hearts of people who are harder towards us now than we've ever known. But I want to encourage you this morning, because as an eldership team, we believe that God will go before us as a family in acts of sovereign grace that opens doors that is close to us currently. We have seen and we can declare that he's done it before. He's doing it now. And we wholeheartedly trust him to keep doing it in the future for our good and for his glory. But church, alongside that, we have a part to play. Just like the church in Acts, we are called to be an example and a blessing to the community that we are in. So that people can see how we care for one another and how that care spills out into their lives. We want people to see the joy and the gladness in our hearts, don't we? And to experience the fact that wherever we are, God's blessing and his signs and wonders are close at hand. And I believe that God is going to move in that way. So that as we go out into our community and engage with people, when we pray for people, we're going to see them healed. When we encounter people with demons, we will pray and the demons will flee. That's what happened in Acts. There's nothing that separates Acts from us except time. God's the same God. 
We're still human beings, just like they were. And God is going to do mighty things amongst us. But part of that means us becoming a critical part of our community. Jeremiah 29 verses 5 to 7 is another passage that is close to our heart as elders. Because it gives some real practical advice about how to be a blessing and a part of the community we live in. While still remaining distinct as God's people. Like exiles waiting to return to our heavenly home. Let's just read that quickly. Jeremiah 29 verses 5 to 7 says this. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. That's easy, right? In some ways. Be a part of the community. Go and plant a garden and eat the produce of that. Marry and have children. Keep bringing up your families here. These are really simple principles to outwork. They're about investing in the community that you live in. Buy property, raise families. Understand, though, that God has placed you in this town for a purpose. You're not here by accident. You are here to bring value and have a positive impact in it for God and for the blessing of this town. So look for ways to benefit and bless it. Have a heart to see it grow healthily and to succeed. Join councils, become school governors, vote wisely for local politicians, get involved with local welfare projects, and above all, pray for Verwood. Petition God for the welfare of this community, not least because you are a part of it, but imagine what blessing God might pour out here in Verwood or Wimborne, or Downton, or Fordingbridge, if we wholeheartedly invest in our community and passionately pray that God would do them good. We are called to be a family that finds favour. And on the one hand, that will happen because of God's sovereign grace-filled actions towards us. And on the other hand, it will be because we are a people that brings true value and blessing to our community. The final thing I want to look at is that God is calling us to be a gathering that God grows. So Acts 2 verse 47 simply says, The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now you might have already noticed a pattern in my message this morning. But there is a connection between our faithful, faith-filled obedience to what God calls us to. And God's sovereign activity in us, through us, and into our community. And as elders, we wholeheartedly believe that as New Life Community Church faithfully seeks to outwork all the things we've looked at across the last few weeks, God will cause us to grow in both maturity and in number. 
Because as we strive to be a people of praise and dig into God's word and meditate on it day and night, this church will grow in maturity. We will have roots that are sunk deeper and deeper into God, won't we? So that we become unshakable in our faith, steadfast in times of trial, and abounding in godly wisdom in every season. That's what happens when we consider God, when we get stuck into his word and we chew it over day in and day out. And as a family that finds favour, we will see new opportunities for the gospel open up and new believers added by God's grace. And we'll also see experienced believers come in to strengthen and build up our church family. I want to encourage you this morning to have an expectation for salvation. God is at work building his kingdom and he is going to use us to help do it. Recently in one of our Tuesday morning meetings, God spoke to me from Luke 5, which I'm going to read to you now. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. With him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I know that our hearts are to see people give their lives to Jesus from amongst our families, our friends, our neighbours and our colleagues. But for some of us, we're weary and worn out from trying to share the gospel. And like Simon, it feels like we're just going to wash our nets. That's where we're at. We're washing our nets. But I believe that in the season ahead, King Jesus is calling us to go again, to let down our nets again. And even though you might be thinking, we've tried that, Jesus, we've tried that and it didn't work. I've seen no success. There's nothing to show for my efforts. Even though those things might be true, we need to consider who it is that is asking us. Peter's success at catching fish wasn't down to his great skill as a fisherman. It was down to the miraculous, sovereign activity of King Jesus. The only thing Simon Peter brought to the table was his obedience. And the same is true for us. That's all I've got. 
That's all I've ever got to offer God. If God is calling us to cast out the net of the gospel again, then our job is to have faith in his sovereignty, his timing and his faithfulness and simply be obedient. What a tremendous abundance Simon Peter saw from his obedience. And if God is going to grow this gathering, then we should expect nothing less than a miraculous catch, an abundance of salvation. So I want to encourage you, have an expectation for salvation. Let it stir your heart, let it grow faith in you. Let it cause you to passionately want to share the good news and share your life with those in our community. If I can have the worship team up. My challenge and my encouragement to each of us this morning is to be fully immersed in what God is doing. To be all in, to hold nothing back from being a people of praise. To hold nothing back from being a family that invests in their community and finds favour with all people. So that this church can be a gospel-proclaiming gathering that God miraculously grows. We've already heard this morning from John about the woman, the widow, who brought just those two coins. The lady with the alabaster jar. Incredibly expensive. Generous, lavish. They held nothing back. You know who else held nothing back? Jesus Christ. Not even his own life did he withhold. He laid that down for us. How can we do any less? How can we do any less than give everything that we are and everything that we have in service of him? Why don't we all stand? We're going to move back into a time of worship. But I would ask us to just take a moment to close our eyes. Because how should we respond this morning? I want us to respond like this. If you want to be all in with what God's doing, if you want to receive a fresh outpouring of his Holy Spirit, then I want you to close your eyes and reach out your hands in front of you in that that receiving posture. And I'm going to pray over you as a church family. King Jesus, I pray that you would fan into flame those red-hot embers of praise in people's hearts this morning. I pray that it will radiate out from them and be visible to everyone around them at all times. I pray that you would ignite a fresh passion to continually feed that fire by meditating and considering who you are and what you've done. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them and that these would be a people who have your praises continually in their mouths and on the tip of their tongues. I pray, Lord, that we together would be a people who partner with you for the benefit and blessing of this community in Verwood. And I ask that you would give each of us an expectation of salvation and a boldness of faith to see gospel breakthrough in this town. 
Holy Spirit, I pray, come in your power. Anoint us and fill us afresh for the task that you have at hand. We trust you, Lord. We want to be all in. So, Lord, I pray, equip us and anoint us to do everything you've called us to in this season ahead. I pray that, King Jesus, in your holy and most powerful name. Amen. Let's continue to respond with our hearts as we move back into a time of worship.